What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had an amazing start to your day so far. And yeah, it's Wednesday. So we're right in the middle of the week and all sorts of things can potentially happen for you. And I hope that they're nothing but good and amazing things. If you feel like you're getting pinned, kick out. Don't tap out. Keep pushing. That's what's needed in this particular space. Shout out to everybody who joins us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at The Faction Show. Thank you for your continued support and your interaction. It certainly means a lot. Shout out to all of you who are joining us by way of podcast. Of course, you're subscribed on Google and Spotify and Apple and all of those things mean a lot. I love the increased attention that's happening here for The Faction on a daily basis so thank you guys so much it really does mean the world and if you do me a favor Share what we're doing with others. We've got a lot of cool concepts, a lot of great conversations that we're having and great content as well. So if you just share what we're doing, whether it is on the socials or subscribing to the podcast, all of those things matter. They really, really do. So thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's show. It was a little bit different, but it was a lot of fun as we kind of talked about the Hall of Fame situation in Ring of Honor in WWE. We introduced you, perhaps for some of you, to the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum, the only pro wrestling hall of fame that actually has a brick and mortar location. It's located in Wichita Falls, Texas, and we tell you all about it in yesterday's episode. So go back, check that out. I think you'll learn some things. You can go on their website, set up all sorts of fun things. It's really, really cool to check it out. But Today's a new day, and we've got quite a few things to talk about today. So I want to say this. This is going to sound interesting. So admittedly, I've never been a fan of the sports entertainment aspect of the WWE. I'm just not. I like my action to happen in the ring. Of course, if there can be great storytelling, that's even better. But I admittedly am not a fan of, you know, some of the quote-unquote skits that happen, some of the, you know obstacle courses and all of that jazz like if you remember the inception of nxt when it wasn't a wrestling brand but instead it was literally like this competition show and it just didn't hit right it didn't hit well etc etc so with that said i was not pleased at the start of monday night raw this week when they gave us a quiz bowl between rk bro and the alpha academy like guys why on earth are we doing this and here's where things bother me right because the segment itself was about you know 10 to 15 minutes which is a really long time in terms of starting a show with talking and that type of thing yet I find myself incredibly entertained these days by Chad Gable. So Chad Gable, who of course we remember as initially part of the tag team American Alpha with Jason Jordan when they were in NXT and then moved over to SmackDown, very successful team in NXT, had some early success of course in the world of SmackDown, the team was broken up made into singles competitors. Jason Jordan went on to have an injury and then kind of the crazy moment when he was announced as the son of Kurt Angle. But Chad Gable kind of 
really never found his stride until this tag team with Otis. And I got to say, initially, I kind of found them as a bit of a boring tag team, though I've loved Chad Gable's work in the ring. So this is where this is going to sound weird, because now I find Chad Gable entertaining and I like him. And so I don't know what that means about me, right? Like, I don't want to sound like I am uh, paradoxical or contradicting my own self because I'm not a fan of these kinds of skits and segments. But Chad Gable is funny, he's entertaining, and he gets it done in the ring. That whole, oh, thank you. Like, that, that's just hilarious to me. Like, maybe I'm a cornball or whatever, but I like him. I like this. It's endearing me to this tag team. RK Bro, they're already entertaining and they get it done in the ring as well. So it's weird. And I'm sure Brandon Clack will hear this and will just, I mean, lose it about the entertainment value of WWE, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I am fair. I am objective. And I have to tell you that this is a case where entertainment has actually turned me into a fan of a wrestler. Not that I didn't like Chad Gable, but Chad Gable certainly wasn't given the opportunity to be entertaining. He was rather vanilla in his approach, but he did some amazing things in the ring. He's found that thing right now that is entertaining, and I think it works. So will this ultimately lead to a tag team title match? At some point, I hope so. I am low-key surprised that that's not happening at the Elimination Chamber. It would seem to make sense. With that said, let me just kind of take a quick tangent to the Elimination Chamber and say this. Have you noticed that there are more women on this Elimination Chamber card than any other card in the history of Saudi Arabia. I think that is incredibly interesting. Of course, remember, they made all sorts of history just a couple of years ago when they had the first women's match there, and then they would have a title match there. But now to have an Elimination Chamber match with six women, to also have a women's title match between Lita and Becky Lynch, it's going to be incredible. Now, you know, of course, when they get over there, they're going to have to be covered from head to toe, which I don't think is a huge problem. I think at these days, we're actually getting to watch the women compete and be great competitors without them having to show skin. But I do think it is the most women that has appeared on a WWE show in Saudi Arabia, which in itself is pretty amazing. Of course, this is also interesting that this Saudi Arabian pay-per-view is happening in line with the other WWE pay-per-views for 2022 happening on a Saturday. You know, their pay-per-views usually happen on like a Thursday or midweek moment. So that's also really interesting to see. Just a little bit behind the velvet rope, dare I say. And that is SmackDown, which normally would happen on a Friday Night Live, is actually being so this week's episode of SmackDown is live from New Orleans, but then after the episode is over, they will tape next week's episode because it is kind of impossible for them to do a live episode of SmackDown next Friday, hop onto a jet, and then head over to Saudi Arabia for the pay-per-view that Saturday. So 
That's a little bit what's going on there. I hope that the SmackDown is entertaining. I'm not a fan of taped SmackDowns. There's just something about WWE Live versus WWE taped, but we'll see. So I do think Elimination Chamber will be intriguing. With that said, since I'm still talking WWE, I think it's cool to mention that there's a special congratulations in order for Titus O'Neil, who was a part of yet more history. Yesterday were the official nominations for the 90 fourth annual academy awards which are also known as the oscars and for the first time in its 94 year history the academy announced an academy award nomination from a middle school and that middle school was the thaddeus m bullard academy at sly middle magnet school in tampa florida that is the school named after titus o'neill and so titus o'neill along with 14 year old student Courtney Anderson, who happens to be an eighth grade track sensation, a high honor roll student, and a rising star. The both of them served in tandem to announce the nomination for best animated feature live from that middle school gym. So congratulations to Titus O'Neill continuing to make history even in the Oscar space. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have a quick conversation about what happened at NXT and then there's a controversy going on right now surrounding The Rock. We'll talk about all of that when we return. Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. I'm in Dallas Vegas here at Southern Honor Wrestling. Chris what? Jericho is here and can't watch going on. Oh my God! Because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! 
people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Forward a few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a them and there's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. All right, guys, so NXT last night had a very interesting moment, had a few interesting moments, to be honest with you, but one of the interesting moments happened when there was supposed to be a quote-unquote championship summit between the current champion, Braun Breaker, and the number one contender, Santos Escobar. That is ahead of their championship battle, which happens next week at the NXT Vengeance Day episode, which will be on Tuesday of next week. So amid this conversation, in walks Dolph Ziggler, which shocked the world. And then after that, walks in Tomasa Champa. And the exchange between the four of them was really quite dicey, I must say. And it's caused a lot of scuttlebutt on the socials and the like. I think this is obviously a good move. However in comma, and here's my however in comma, it continues to cement the idea of the developmental nature of NXT. You have to kind of go back in NXT's history to really reference what I'm talking about. So there was a period between the time that NXT premiered in season one when they were on sci-fi and it was again a competition show versus NXT making its way to the WWE Network, there was a period where NXT was airing exclusively on Hulu. And when it aired on Hulu, it had moved, of course, down to Florida, had really become a developmental territory. And what would happen in these developmental spaces is every now and again, a WWE superstar would show up to, of course, Elevate the people that were there, help make a difference, all of that jazz. Cesaro would spend some time there and several others. In fact, once they moved to the WWE Network, one of the first matches, actually the first match, was Cesaro versus Sami Zayn. And so anytime a WWE superstar from Raw or SmackDown makes their way to NXT, it's just a reminder of that. We didn't see a whole lot of that as NXT started transitioning into the third brand. But now that they're moving from the third brand or have moved from the third brand to being developmental again, we're starting to see that. We saw AJ Styles involved in a situation there not long ago. Now Dolph Ziggler. Now, will Dolph Ziggler actually compete for the NXT Championship? Perhaps. Will he actually win the NXT Championship? Probably not. But I think I'm more interested in seeing Tommaso Ciampa and Dolph Ziggler go one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's a bit more of an unpredictable battle, which could have 
all sorts of implications both in NXT and on SmackDown. It could honestly serve as the transition for Champa to go to SmackDown if he wants to do that. After all, what's left for him to do in NXT, especially in NXT 2.0? But I thought that was interesting to mention. And if you go back and check it out, I think you'll enjoy that particular exchange. There are moments where NXT 2.0 pulls on what made NXT black and gold great. And they should if you want people to tune in. Because, of course, we don't even talk about the ratings of NXT 2.0. Because at this point, they are definitely lower than what black and gold was doing. But we may bring that back for you so you guys can hear and see what's going on in terms of who's actually viewing NXT. So before we go, there's an interesting, and I do mean interesting moment that we need to talk about. So I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, but certainly in the music and entertainment world, there's been a lot of conversation about Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan Experience, a podcast that is exclusive to Spotify, one of our new homes. Spotify has paid $100 million for the exclusive rights to the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. So that podcast has tons of listeners. Spotify obviously is excited about the money that that generates. However, one of the controversies about the Joe Rogan experience has been his position relative to COVID-19 and some of the information that he shared on his podcast, where many have felt like the information has been inaccurate. It has been leading people down the wrong path. And so a couple of weeks ago, artist Neil Young made a decision and pretty much gave an ultimatum to Spotify saying, hey, either me or Rogan. And if you choose Rogan, you can pull my stuff off of there because I'm not a fan of the things that you're saying. Spotify made a decision to pull Neil Young's content from Spotify as he asked. Well, additional artists have joined in that fight. Names like Joni Mitchell and Crosby and a few other folks. Well, one of the people that joined that fight was India Ari. When she joined that fight, she chose to say, hey, I'm leaving Spotify not just because of the misinformation about COVID from Joe Rogan, but because of his insensitive language around race. And then she proceeded to share a six to seven minute video with repeated clips of him using the N-word on his podcast. Now, amid all of this, there are people who are taking sides, and one of the people who decided to take sides on this is The Rock. So The Rock initially expressed his support of Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Well, from there, folks on Twitter, which by the way, if you don't have your stuff together, Twitter will get you together. Twitter really began to have an issue, of course, with what The Rock did, called him out for it, and then clips have begun to surface of some interviews and some segments that The Rock did during the Attitude Era. And a couple of those segments have The Rock speaking Chinese, but he's not really speaking Chinese. He's more so speaking gibberish and pretending it's Chinese in a way that is definitely culturally insensitive. And it wasn't the last time that The Rock would do that fake Chinese bit. And it's one of the many politically incorrect moments of the Attitude Era. So after it has been brought to the attention of The Rock that, hey, uh, you should reconsider your position given the use of the N-word by Joe Rogan, he altered his position. 
And he went to Twitter after being told by a gentleman named Don Winslow. He said, quote, Dear Rock, you're a hero to many people and using your platform to defend Joe Rogan, a guy that used and laughed about using the N word dozens of times is a terrible use of your power. Have you actually listened to this man's many racist statements about black people? The Rock actually responded and said, Dear Don Winslow, thank you so much for this. I hear you as well as everyone here 100%. I was not aware of his N word use prior to my comments, but now I've become educated to his complete narrative learning moment for me mahalo brother and have a great and productive weekend and so it's after that that these clips began to surface where people really started to say that the rock was perhaps a hypocrite because he too had shared some racially insensitive moments with his fake chinese accent and speaking gibberish now Here's my thought on this. A couple of things. First of all, I don't want to defend any of this type of activity because the truth of it is being racially insensitive, there's no excuse for it, right? I think it's also safe to say that during the Attitude Era, there were a lot of things that were done that were wrong that I'm sure people today, if given the opportunity, might not do some of those things. Now, I will say this. I do feel like The Rock at least was able to, I don't want to say backtrack, but correct his stance after understanding how Joe Rogan had used the N-word. So Joe Rogan has made a statement on Instagram about all of this, saying it's one of the worst moments of his life, thinking that, hey, some of these things were taken out of context, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what I want to say about this. I think it's important that we understand the value of racial sensitivity. I'm going to say this, before I start labeling people racist, I am going to say that there are a lot of people who lack awareness. Some, not all, many people are unaware of the things that are insensitive. Some people think that racism is only being offensive to people who are African-American. But I want you to understand that being insensitive and lacking awareness and doing things like making fun of the way that people speak is offensive, right? It is not acceptable. It is not good. Should The Rock make an apology about the things that he said years ago? Absolutely, he should. And I'll tell you why, because it is unnecessary to be racially insensitive to get over. The Rock did not need to do that, does not need to do that. And in becoming aware of this, he should make some sort of statement to say, hey, listen, I made a mistake. I didn't do the right thing. I apologize, which leads me to this point. And I have to say it. And some may say you're being political, but I'm not. Because the truth of it is, the world of pro wrestling is designed to not just reflect every culture, but reach out to every culture. At the end of the day, when people watch sports, 
sports, they ultimately want to see themselves and they want to be entertained by the athleticism and competition and yet don't want to feel slighted as a human being. And I think in the wrestling business, just like every other business, there comes days of reckoning where you have to be able to answer for your behavior and make changes. It's one of the reasons why we spend so much time focusing on the African-American wrestler and those who have been disenfranchised because the world of pro wrestling often reflects society. And so if you go back and watch wrestling from 30 and 40 years ago, you will see and hear things that were done then that could never be done now. Whether it was people going in full blackface like Roddy Piper did at WrestleMania 6 where he painted half of himself black and the other half white when he was fighting bad news. Brown, or if you look at a scenario of how Adrian Adonis was handled and the language that was used around him or the exotic Adrian Street or fast forward to gold dust, which was 95, 96, 97. Some of the words that were used, the language that were used, you will note that the way that happens, it does not happen in 2022 when you're dealing with a Nyla Rose or a Sunny Kiss or even the Velveteen Dream back a couple of years ago. The reality of it is it is important that all people feel respected when they watch pro wrestling in and out of the ring, that the wrestlers are respected, that the talent is respected, that the fans are respected. We are all human beings and we deserve to walk in spaces of dignity. And so when organizations, when companies, when wrestlers feel the need to lack racial sensitivity and awareness just to get themselves over, you have to understand that this is not the space for that, that this doesn't work. And you need to make whatever moves necessary to become aware, to recognize that my job isn't to offend. Now, are there some angles and things that can be done in poor taste? Certainly. And you're not going to have a scenario where everyone likes your product. But there is a difference between being unhappy with your product and being made to feel less than human because my humanity is attacked, because my humanity is disrespected. And so I think, you know, The Rock has to consider that when he looks back at his body of work and these moments with these insensitive comments about, you know, those who are Asian. But bigger than that, the whole wrestling world needs to walk in spaces of sensitivity and spaces of awareness and recognize this. If you are unaware of things that could be offensive to a people group, no matter what that people group is, it is now your responsibility to educate yourself on those things. Because if you don't, it doesn't just speak to your in-ring persona or on-camera persona, it speaks to who you are as a human being. And at the end of the day, people don't have to attach their support to something that they don't believe in or to something that offends their person. And that's something that we have to consider. So with that said, interested to see how all of this shakes out with The Rock. I will also say this, and I know I'm going to talk about this in some other spaces, and that is this. If you are a person who feels as though talking about 
race relations and the truth of what has happened when it deals with multiple people groups. If you think that that is divisive, then I'm going to be bold enough to say you are part of the problem. You don't understand the assignment. It is not divisive to talk about the truth and to talk about things that don't make you feel good. That's not divisive because whenever people talk about race, and I'll just go so far as to say, when people of color talk about race, we are told we're being divisive and it's just time for all of us to come together. Well, we can't come together if we don't acknowledge what has separated us and we can't continue to sweep it under the rug. So with that said, should The Rock apologize to the Asian community for what he said 25 years ago? Yes, he should. He should. I think his body of work following that can show that, hey, you know what? That's not who I am. I did this in ignorance. That's okay. And let me also say, and I'm going to shut up after this. Let me also say that, A, we have to give room for people to sincerely apologize. With that said, we also know the difference between an apology and an explanation. Those are two different things. If you're trying to explain it away which is what Joe Rogan did, not a good move. Apologize, own the moment, and then recognize that after you've hurt somebody, you don't just get to put a Band-Aid on it with an apology and say, it's over. If I break my leg, I'm put in a cast, and then from there, it takes time for it to heal. You've got to be able to give people time to heal when they have been offended by their person being attacked, maligned, and disrespected. So I hope that helps some people. With that said, tonight's supposed to be a big announcement from Tony Khan. At one point, he hinted at the fact that someone will be signing a new AEW contract. There are so many people that this could be. It could be Keith Lee. It could be Bray Wyatt. It could be God knows who, right? Maybe somebody's contract has run out and we didn't know about it and they'll show up on AEW tonight. We'll find out. But uh, certainly be looking for that. And obviously, we've got more content coming your way. If you have not checked out our interview with AC Mac, do that. It is available on all of our outlets. And of course, you can check out the video enhanced version of it on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash The Faction Show. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Solid, my